Joe. Appreciate it. Hey, can we give a quick round of applause in here for our worship team and just how incredible they are for leading us this morning? Well, thanks so much for tuning in. If you're joining us online, welcome to The Foundry. My name is Hank. I'm one of the ministers here on staff at The Foundry. It's my privilege to be here and and to be sharing with you again what the Lord has put on my heart this morning. We're continuing in an amazing series on the Beatitudes. We're calling it A Better Way. This series has been awesome so far, uh, and we're just so blessed to be able to be studying these teachings. Before I get too deep into this message, I want to just say a quick thank you to Pastor Seth. He's our lead pastor, uh, so thanks to him for just always uh, believing and, and the rest of us ministers, giving us opportunities to speak and to share. Uh, that's just an incredible opportunity. And just thank you to the, to the rest of, of the leadership of this church, Doug, Patty, and all of our, our elders, elders who are here this morning. Uh, we're just so blessed to be able to serve underneath them, serve with them, and to be able to uh, be here and to be a part of a church that believes in, in diversity of thought, diversity of teaching, uh, and we're just so blessed to be able to be here. So I hope you're excited for this morning. If you've been with us already, then you sort of know where we're headed today. Uh, we're going to be honing in specifically on Matthew 5, verse 6, this beatitude, which I love. Uh, let's turn to the screens, uh, or if you're watching online, just keep looking right there. Well, you'll see it in a second. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They will be filled. I love this verse. But if I'm honest, uh, as I was studying this verse and I was going over it, this is a pretty easy one for me uh, to, to initially sort of gloss over. You read this idea, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you say to yourself, well, I'm a good person. I have morals. I have, I, I have things going right in my life. I, I, I obey the law, and it's easy just to check this box and move right on past this beatitude and on to the rest and miss perhaps some of the deeper meaning that this passage has in store for us. Uh, and as I studied this verse, there are a few layers deep of this verse. The small little verse has so much meaning, and I want to pose to you guys three questions this morning that I asked myself and that you can ask yourself as we study this verse together uh, so that we can really begin to understand the true meaning behind this verse. We don't want to miss anything, uh, and, and there's so much opportunity for us to learn through this verse. And the first question uh, that we want to ask ourselves uh, is w- this idea of righteousness. We want to know what is righteousness? That's our first question of the day. Uh, what is righteousness? Righteousness is a word in English that we use. It's often equated to being self-righteous, someone who is consumed with themselves or motivated by themselves to be self-righteous is that. So I went to the dictionary definition of the word righteous. And here's what the dictionary says. Uh, the quality of being morally right or justifiable. The quality of being morally right or justifiable. And I think that that is a great definition of this word, righteousness. But as many of you know, and if you're unchurched, maybe you don't know, the Bible wasn't originally written in English. So you go and you, and these particular passages in the New Testament, primarily written in Greek. So if you go and look at the Greek translation of this text, uh, and you look at what the word is in Greek, there's this beautiful word, and I'm going to try to say it right for us here today. Um, the Greek word that they use for righteousness is this word, dikaiosune. It's a tough one. 
Dikaio Sune. You see it on your screens uh, this morning. Um, and I wanted to learn what is the definition of this word, dikaio sune, this word that means righteousness in the Bible, uh, in, in the Greek. What is it that this word means? If you've got your concordance with you, if you're a real, if you're a real one, you probably pack your concordance with you. Uh, you could turn to Strong's G1342. Uh, but the word for uh, dikaio sune in the Greek uh, translates and means this, equity, that is fairness and impartiality of character or act, specifically Christian justification, and then righteousness. Isn't that interesting? Equity, fairness, impartiality. The word that comes to mind when you, when you put all those words together is this word that we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about today, and that is the word justice. And I think when we go back and we look at this word, dikaiosune, we put it in back into uh, the put it back into the context of this verse, and it says, "Blessed are those who are righteous, and those who focus on justice." That changes the meaning of this verse drastically for me. And I realize that you might be sitting there and you, and you might be saying, well, you know, this is, this is speculation. We don't know, you know, that this word righteous really does also mean justice and that justice is the primary definition of this word, dikaiosune, and righteousness is the secondary definition. But if you look back into the Old Testament, primarily written in Hebrew, that's a more diverse language uh, where they have more words, they can use more words, and they don't have one word that means multiple things. Uh, so the, in, in the Old Testament, you see countless and countless examples of the words righteousness and justice being paired together. And I want to just show you a few examples of that this morning, just to hone in on this idea that when we're talking about righteousness this morning, we're also talking about justice. So look at me at, at the screen with me. I got a few examples for you that we can look at. Um, we're going to go right through these pretty quick. Psalms 89.14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. That's one example. Amos, you didn't think we were going to get into Amos, did you? This is a, a rare opportunity for me. Amos 5.24, and this kind of reminds me of our worship song this morning, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Let's keep going. Job 29.14, I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. A couple more for you. Let's keep going. Isaiah 33, 5. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with his justice and righteousness. One more for you. Jeremiah 9, 24. But let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have an, the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Isn't that interesting? The Greek word, dikaiosune, the Greek language so limited that they have one word that means both righteousness and justice. Let's keep this correlation in mind as we continue to study this morning. Question number two that we want to ask is what are we hungry for? The verse says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So what we need to ask ourselves is what are we as a person, as a community, hungry for? And here's what's interesting is that, I don't know about you, probably most of us in this room, most of us watching online, but we probably haven't really been hungry like this verse talks about. I mean, probably some of us have skipped a meal, 
probably some of us have, you know, made it through, you know, a period of fasting of some point, but not all of us are truly hungry like it talks about. I'm not even talking about being hangry either. I'm talking about truly hungering and, and, and aching, longing for the thing that it is that you need, which is, which, which is really important. When we ask ourselves, what are we hungry for? We're not just asking about what's the thing that we desire, which is part of it, but we're asking ourselves, what is the thing that makes us so uncomfortable that we can't keep living the same way anymore? When we're asking, what are we hungry for? This is the thing that we should be focused on. Do we simply desire to adhere to some moral code to be self-righteous, just to check some boxes and to pass some tests of how we're supposed to live? Or are we hungering and are we seeking true, godly justice? As we've studied these correlations and we've talked about how righteousness Justice, these words go together. If we're living, if we're hunger and thirsting for righteousness, we also should hunger and thirst for justice. I think we also have to ask ourselves, what is justice? What does godly justice look like for you and for me and for our world and for the church at large? What is it that justice looks like? And if I'm honest, I think that we, a lot of times, we take that word justice, and we sort of apply a modern-day filter to how we talk about justice. A few things come to mind for me. Maybe you think about the superhero fighting back against some sort of villain in the name of justice. Maybe you think of a courtroom drama, lawyers and judges and jury all seeking this justice for a crime. Maybe you think about a detective solving a case, putting clues together little by little to ultimately reach a conclusion to hold someone responsible. Maybe that's the idea of justice that comes to your mind. Maybe you think of some sort of revenge story. Maybe you think about a person who's been wronged or hurt, seeking revenge against somebody else. Maybe that's the idea of justice that comes to mind for you. But I think that when we look At the 30,000-foot view of Scripture, we get a beautiful picture of a new kind of justice. A new, dare I say, a better way to do justice. And that's justice that is restorative. We see throughout the entire story of Scripture, we see the story of a God betrayed by his own creation, who rather than throwing in the towel, giving up on us, leaving us out to dry. He himself becomes his creation, becomes man, comes to earth to know us, to care for us, to to be there and to experience life with us, to announce his presence and to say, hey, I am here with you. Whether you get it right or not, I'm here with you. Ultimately to pay the sacrifice death on a cross so that we could continue to live in freedom and in love and so that we could see him again one day 
and see him move in a mighty way here on this earth. That is a beautiful, beautiful depiction of justice that we don't often see portrayed in this day and age. This kind of justice is a kind of justice that for me is worth living for. This is the kind of justice that we, when we ask ourselves, what are we hungering for? What are we thirsting for? This is the kind of justice that we should be about. The justice that you and I, each of us have received and the justice that we can be an example of in the world today and that we can go out and live out that restorative justice. I'll be honest. I'm always going to be honest with you guys. If you've heard me preach before, you know that about me. There's lots of talk in this world today about justice. Lots of movements, lots of, lots of people, and I try myself to be informed, and I try to hear the articles and read the stories, and I'll be honest, there's, there's some times that I'm, I hear these stories and, and hear these things, and I'm left with more questions than answers. I don't always know how to respond. Maybe you're like me. But rather than ask ourselves, you know, why would people choose that way? Why would people act that way? Why would people take a stand in this way? As a Christian who hopefully is hungering and thirsting for righteousness and justice, that question shifts, that question changes for me. If we're going to be focused on this justice that we're talking about, this restorative justice, this justice that doesn't give up on the people around us, this justice that sees the hurting, sees the broken, sees everything going on in, in this world and is moved by that, the question shifts for me. The question then becomes, how can I help restore? How can I help make this situation better. I hope that challenges you this morning because it challenged me a lot. We're going to keep going. The third, the third question we can ask is how can we change? Lots of things in this world. I think if you look around and you see things and, and you're bothered by those things and you're hurting by those things, then I think that's a sign that you are starting to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that's a good thing. I think that God gives us that desire in each and every single one of us, in you and in me, so that when we see things that are right, we would be his hands and feet in those situations to help make a change. So the question we want to ask ourselves is, how do we change? There's three sort of lenses, three sort of ways that we can think about this in my mind. We can think globally. Maybe there's things going on in this world at large that bother you. Maybe it's in the environmental crisis. Maybe you see the way we treat this planet we live on and that bothers you. Maybe you think about, <coughs> maybe you think about people who die at the hands of police. Maybe you think about people who are hurting for other reasons. Maybe you think about the children who never have a chance at life because their lives get taken 
before they're ever even born. There are all these different kinds of things that hurt each and every one of us. Hopefully in those three examples, I touch a little bit of everybody. We can look at the things globally that we look at and say, these things hurt me, and I want to see change. The next way that we can think about is communally. What are things going on in our community that we see that we just can't keep living the same way anymore? Our church does a lot of this, and I'm very proud of that. Currently, we're taking on smile boxes. If you don't know, if you, if you maybe heard Mitchell talk about it before services, smile boxes are a way that we can help bring Christmas to kids across the world who don't have any other way of experiencing Christmas. And if you're a person who believes that kids should be able to live the life of a kid and be able to receive love and, and to receive presents on Christmas, then that's a great way to step up and to begin to make a change. We also have our roadside cleanup. People in our church who are focused on seeing and making our community a better place to live, more beautiful place to live. And if we can do our part by taking care of the one road that our church is on, then we're doing the best that we can to take care of our planet, the place that we live. We're also, you heard Mitchell talk about this earlier if you were tuning into our pre-service show. We care about our schools and our students we're investing in the next generation by helping making sure that they have the supplies and the tools and the resources that they need to get an education and to continue in school. And by equipping those teachers who do such an, an amazing and thankless job teaching our students, making sure that they have the resources that we need. And if we can contribute some school supplies and spend a couple hours on a Saturday morning helping get that stuff organized and prepared for the teachers that are going to come and get that stuff, then... For me, that's worth it. So we talked about globally. We talked about communally in our community. But we also can look at ourselves, look at ourselves personally. We can ask ourselves, what are the things in my life, in my mind, or in my heart that I want to see change? Maybe there's an addiction that you face. Maybe there is... Maybe there's just a, a spiritual discipline need. Maybe you just are longing for more time, to set aside more time to be with the Lord in study or in prayer. Maybe it's your ego. We've talked about that a little bit earlier in the series. Maybe you just say, I, I just want to lessen myself to, to make room for other people in my life and to let God speak through me and, and, and work through me to, I just want to get out of the way. Maybe those are the things that we need to focus on in ourselves. Three sort of ways that we can focus on change globally, in our community, communally, and in ourselves. Here's the big idea that I want to hang out on as we get closer to the end. Hopefully this resonates with you like it resonated with me. Take a look. Righteousness in us should lead to justice for all. Righteousness in us should lead to justice for all. Because listen, I agree. We need to live a righteous life. We should be focused on, on staying right 
with the Lord, following his commands, living the way that he designed us to live. But if that doesn't lead to outward expressions of his love and his justice for the people around us, then we've missed part of the point. That we've missed part of what we are called to do as Christians. Righteousness in us should lead to, should, be a, should have the product of justice for all. For each and every single one of us. And that's why it's so important that we peel back the layers on this verse and study this when we understand that the word righteousness can also mean the word justice. It totally changes the meaning for me. Think about the audience that this verse would have been spoken to. A people, a Jewish people, living strained lives, facing various social and political issues. Sound familiar? I think it's our life too. And when we think about this idea, Righteousness and justice, righteousness and justice, they go hand in hand together. Then that should change things. It's us in this room and tuning in online, and it's those people on the side of a mountain waiting for deliverance, waiting for a better way. So I want to challenge us this morning. You watching from home, you in this room, me, all of us, let's work together to break the mold. Let's break the mold. Why not? Why not us? Why not now? Let's break the mold. Rather than always looking for retribution, rather than us always looking for condemnation against people in our lives or people that we see or stuff that we don't agree with. Instead of looking for condemnation, let's look for a way to restore. Let's look for a way to bring healing. Let's look for a way to change the conversation, to focus back on restoring, making a better place to live. Righteousness in us should lead to justice for all. The statement is like, the heart of our church. Think about it. We say this around here all the time. Better you, better world. Righteousness in us, being right with God, that's the better you, should lead to justice for all, a better world, a better place to live. This is what we're called to be. This is who we're meant to be. And this all fits together. This idea of righteousness and justice, it goes hand in hand with the rest of the Beatitudes that we've already studied. Let's be the first to humble ourselves and stand in the gap between sides and be a bridge to unity. Blessed are the meek. Let's listen and feel to those who have been hurt or who have been broken where we feel stepped on by society and let's feel with them and let's be motivated to move. Blessed are those who mourn. Let us be willing to detach ourselves from our lives, from our situations, from our perspectives, to be able to better 
hear somebody else. Let's be able to shed what we have for the benefit of others. Blessed are the poor. All these teachings, all these ideas, each and every single one of them go hand in hand. This is just truly an amazing idea. I've loved getting a chance to study this and to share this idea with you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, who aren't satisfied living the same way, doing the same things anymore. Let's be about justice. Let's be about reclaiming God's intended reality here on earth. Let's be about making this place, leaving this place better than we found it. So that someone else might be able to understand and comprehend this idea of true justice. If you're an unchurched person, or if you've been in church for a long time and maybe have stepped away, this might be hard for you to, to understand because you maybe have seen Christians or you've seen a church or seen a religious organization not live in this way. They only are concerned with checking a box about fulfilling some moral obligation, fulfilling a checklist. And they're not about truly making a change. I'm here to tell you that if you study this and if you really dive down deep into what this passage means, a lot of Christians have dropped the ball. And for that, I'm sorry. The church, our church, each of us individually should be focused on justice. As we get ready to move into a time of reflection and response, let's think about that together. How can we be moved into justice? How can we take that step? How can we restore? How can we heal what's happening in the world around us? And I think that as we spend time on that and as we think on that and as we dive down deep into this passage and into this verse, that would be our heart. Here's my prayer for all of us, for you watching at home, for you in this room, for me in my life. I have my prayer for you is that what hurts God's heart would hurt our hearts too. What hurts other people hurts us too, that we wouldn't be satisfied living that same way anymore. Why? The end of this verse sums it up beautifully. We haven't talked much about that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and justice. Why? For they shall be filled.